Hey, Harry. Hello, mate. Who do you think will win the football later? It's a tough one to call, but I would say one thing. Ignore all them TV pundits in their fancy suits. Sorry, son. Listen, if you want a sure winner, put your money on. Sorry, I've got to run Saunders back and I forgot to take the bins out. Listen to Harry and make your best bet with BetVictor. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. very good day to you all we are back here on eye on la liga looking at all things spanish football on a well i say monday morning we're just ticking over into monday afternoon i'm ollie wilson once again joined by jason pettigrove to tread through the murky waters of spanish football how you doing jace very good monday to you very good monday to you sir and i'm doing very well thank you have you got that Monday motivation? You know, you were bragging about all of your gym exploits last time. So I, I want to know, have you been already down the gym, pumping the iron, 7 a.m., 6 a.m. Monday? 6 a.m., on the dock. Ugh. Oh, I just don't like people like you. Not not when <laughs> I'm feeling like this. No, not having that. Okay. I, I regret sending us down that path already, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you will burn the candle at both ends, my friend. Oh, that's but it's got to be done in this game at the end of the day, doesn't it? Especially when you're you're covering sport from all across the the global world, the global world. It's just the world, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you can tell I'm not really with it today, um, as I have been for most of the weekend. To be honest, running all over the place and keeping an eye on everything that's going on around La Liga. Uh, got going quite bright and early on, but it's been a, a kind of an odd weekend. When and we'll just come on to this a little later on, but talking about. What happened in the Champions League? And then you kind of had a bit of a flip reverse it back in the Liga for, for some of the big sides, really. So it's an odd one because nothing's nobody's staying true to any sort of form, it seems, at this point in the, at the start of the season. No, I mean, Barcelona, for the most part, against Inter were very poor, let's be honest. And that, that comeback win, I don't think anybody saw that coming. And then yet against Sevilla... Although they could have been probably a couple of goals down before they started scoring, then they just wiped the floor with them. I think you know Sevilla remain the most accommodating of opponents for Barcelona. Um, Real Madrid, uh, I suppose the same thing again. Really, I mean they were pretty awesome at the weekend, even though they conceded two goals. But shocking in the Champions League. It's yeah, like you say, it's it's an odd one. It's a very nice way to put it that Valencia are very accommodating. For, uh, sorry, Sevilla are very accommodating for uh, for Barcelona. Um, yeah, it's a polite way of saying that they uh, seem to just absolutely mess the bed whenever they play the Catalan Giants. Uh, but similarly, like Atletico Madrid, got a 2-0 victory away from home uh, against Lokomotiv Moscow, and quite convincingly two in the Champions League, and then a 0-0 draw against Real Valladolid. Valencia lose in midweek quite handily to uh, to Ajax, who were very good against the Spanish side, but then go and win against Deportivo Alaves. Like, yeah. Different Athletic, sides, different qualities that they're playing, obviously. But from Atleti's point of view, I think that's down to tiredness myself. I mean, that's a long way to go, and then obviously another away game against Friday Lead. Um, I think that one you could have seen coming. The the others, perhaps not so. But let's dive into uh, one of my favourite stories of the weekend so far because it allows us to have a little bit of a moan about VAR, which is <laughs> Again? always fun. Really. Yeah, yeah, we haven't done it in a while, so we should probably get back on it. And we're at eight weeks into the season now. 
Uh, VAR does raise its controversial head. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Yeah, we'll uh, edit that bit out. Um, Leganes against Levante. I mean, of all the games that you think is going to cause a massive upstir and particularly a large chunk of controversy, wasn't expecting it to be this one. Levante winning 2-1 against Leganes, but the controversy starting in their first goal in the first half when Roger Marti was brought down by the Greek centre-back Siovas uh, of Leganes. Now, there's clearly contact outside the area. Yeah, 100%. And then Roger Marti falls into the area. Unfortunately for the referee and the officials, the communication between the referees downstairs on the field and, and the VAR boys upstairs looking at it on the monitors, the, the comms link failed. So it had to be done, I think I've read somewhere, it was done by phone, the discussion about whether it was a penalty or not. Yeah, indeed it was. And it was, uh, it was then kind of raised his eyebrows about whether VAR was kind of working correctly. The system's obviously having problems at that point and was unable to provide the correct decision, it seems, because a penalty was awarded even after they looked at it. Yeah, and I mean, now that, that for me is the biggest issue. The, the penalty was still awarded because it quite, I mean, it was a foul. There's no getting away from it. It was, it was a foul, but it was quite clearly outside the box. So how on earth they've still arrived at the decision that it is a penalty? Yeah, I can understand Leganes's ire. Um, I know their president, Victoria Pavona, said that she wants the game replayed from the point where the penalty was awarded. I can't see that happening because that would set an incredible precedent for things going forward. But it does highlight just the, the technology issue again, doesn't it? When, it? when it works properly, it's great. But there have been a fair few instances. I know Leganes had another issue against Valencia um, a few weeks ago. It's it's hard on them. They're right down the bottom of the table, and they're they're clearly looking at ways and means to put points on the ball to to bring them up there. But it, it's really not a good situation for VAR at all. So what happens at this point for VAR? Do you say if you, if the communication is failing between the referees downstairs and upstairs, do you say that the referee shouldn't be allowed to look to VAR and use VAR at all? And that obviously, if there is any problem at all, you just can't have it. But then, does that set a precedent of well if we haven't got VAR in this game but we've got it in all of the other games that's an unfair advantage to every other team in La Liga for that weekend at least and therefore the game needs to be paused and potentially replayed or rescheduled or do you do what we had which is now you have a very surprising result given by VAR still through uh, an unorthodox communication method yeah. and that decision still seems to be wrong I mean there doesn't seem to be but positive I think the, outcome I th in any way, shape or form of those three. I and I'm, I'm not sure there are any other things I can think of to manage the situation. But there's also the issue, and I think we sort of touched on it when we had the pod with um, Keith uh, Hackett a little while ago, didn't we? It's obviously, you've still got the human element in it. I mean, obviously we've seen um, decisions in the Premier League as well, whereby most people can see that a decision that's been given is the wrong one. But yet, there's still the referees that are the video refs that are making that call and putting the decision through. So, you've either got, to, in my opinion, you've either got to take the human element out of that entirely, or just dispense with VAR. And we're so far down the road of VAR now that that's not going to happen. I don't. I can't see how you can replay matches. It is unfair on on Leganes in this particular instance because it's so clear cut. 
but I, I honestly don't know what the answer is. If, if you're going to allow a team to to replay a game because of something like that, I mean, where does that leave you going forward? You're going to have a number of decisions across the season of a similar ilk, and you can't replay every single match where there's a game, where there's a decision that that's slightly wrong. Yeah, uh, well, but this is this is what I mean. There, there is no positive outcome to come from something like this, and it's something that, as as you say, we we've kind of spoken about and predicted this potential problem not just of the human element but also we did speak about well what happens when the technology fails because nothing is ever perfect you know we've all spent silly amounts of money well we probably haven't all spent silly amounts of money but I definitely know I've overspent on things like laptops and stuff like that and then it's failed for no apparent reason but it just happens something goes wrong and and that's it at the end of the day so it's never going to be a perfect solution and to invest so should, heavily should, in it. If we should hark back to like the, the referee on the pitch and go with that decision. So if, if there is a failure in the technology in the communication but then that's, decision, that's, then you... That, that's unfair for... Uh, and gives us a situation that we kind of have now with Leganes saying, well, it's, kinda, it's unfair. The wrong decision has been made and we're meant to have the technology that gives us the right decision. Yeah. What I'd be very interested to see, actually, and... Again, I say this with respect to Leganes, but if we had something similar happening to any of the big teams, so like a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or an Atletico Madrid, Oy. then yeah. then I think the whole narrative changes. And it, that's almost unfair in itself. But because Leganes aren't a big club, because they're down the bottom of the league, it, it's almost like it won't be rushed under the carpet, but there's not as much outcry as there would be if it was for one of the sort of the big three in the league, I don't think. Yeah, that's a very sad but true statement, I think, Jason. Uh, I would not like to be the referee or anybody in charge of VAR if that happened at the Bernabeu or the camp now. Uh, had a nice discussion away from uh, away from the podcast about things like the camp now yesterday and uh, the, the pronunciations of it, just to hop back to something from a couple of weeks ago. And somebody came in and said, no, you just got to say new camp. Like, everybody knows that. That's it. And me and another commentator were just like, Mm. Well, I had a little okay. bit of a beef with Gary Lineker on Twitter, which you probably saw a couple of months ago, over precisely this thing. And the, most of the the local Catalans say Camp Now, and he was like, "No, it's Camp No, and not New Camp." It's, uh, does it matter? I don't. I don't think so. Ah, oh, we'll get into another bickering argument about it at some point, Jace, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, VAR comes around every so often. Unfortunately, it's dropped around again. I'm sure that will come around as well when we hear uh, some, some goal scorer's name getting pronounced incorrectly as well. Right, let's talk about Real Madrid and Barcelona because they uh, both have very solid weekends. Barcelona with the 4-0 win against Sevilla. You predicted them to get four, but I think you said 4-2, didn't you, Jace, in the last podcast? So... Kind of needed Sevilla to up their game on that one. Uh, Real Madrid uh, winning 4-2 against Granada. Maybe you just got confused with your, your <laughs> Nostradamus kind of style predictions. And uh, yeah, no, Real Madrid. Now I was going to say I'm going to cut across you actually and go start off with Barcelona because Sevilla could have scored two goals before Barcelona got off the mark. I think Luke de Jong. I think he's now had 18 shots at goal and hasn't yet got off the mark. But he was very, very close to it at the weekend. Fantastic save from Tostegan. He, he hit the post as well. So you've got to feel, I mean, he probably could have had a hat-trick before Suarez did that bicycle kick and just got them off the mark. And I think, unfortunately for Sevilla then, for the next 10 minutes, they just completely lost their heads. And, and the game really was over before half-time. 
So what you're saying is you're blaming uh, De Jong for basically <laughs> messing up your bet, Victor bet from last week. Is what no, you're saying? No, not at all. I just because uh, think... they will they've taken the money now. They're not going to pay you back if you say, well, they did miss a load of chances, so it should have been four two. It's not how it works. <laughs> I think with bet Victor. I mean, it was look, it was a, it was a great game in the end for for Barcelona, but there are definite defensive deficiencies there. You know, albeit Longley wasn't playing. But it's just a lack of pace at the back, a lack of sort of cohesive defending at times, and better teams will come and, and expose them. I think. A couple of excellent goals as well. I mean, Luis Suarez is over head kick, really the highlight of the of the game, and fantastic opener for their four nil victory. Um, but we should talk about his man Dembele and his flare up at the end, and he's a player who's on the score sheet again this week, but uh, still having problems at Barcelona. And it's something that the Catalan press seem to be a little exasperated with. Uh, uh, but this one, this problem, I think I'm actually on Ousmane Dembele's side with it. Because all he's done is he's basically turned around and said to the referee, like, you're no good at your job. And the referee's decided that that's dissent and is deserving of a, of a straight red card. It's absolutely it, ludicrous. It is dissent. A yellow card at best. People who don't know who Matteo Lajos is, the best description I can give, he's like the Spanish uh, Mike Dean. He always wants to be front and centre, make the game about him. And the fact that Dembele's come out and said, I think he used the phrase, muy mayo, or, you know, very bad, you're very bad. I mean, come on, that's never a red card offence. And, you know, again, he's made, he's just sent off debutant Ronald Araujo from, who was a Barca B player making his first team debut. And, then, and he's made the narrative all about him by sending Dembele as well. So, you know, I know the papers are going to make a big deal out of Dembele not being able to keep his mouth shut, but come on, you know, players are a lot worse than that in games and get away with it. Well, that's the thing. I was going to say, kind of come on to the idea of, does Dembele, though, he's walking such a tightrope at the moment anyway because of the other problems he's had off the pitch and sometimes on it as well at Barcelona. Does he just have to be a little more careful and ensure that he doesn't get into these situations? Because it makes him an easy target in the end. But why also is Dembele almost an easy target for uh, for Barcelona and Catalan press to to get frustrated with because yeah okay he's had problems in the past but surely they should be backing him on this one rather than raising it as an issue with the player because I know it's, 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 dissent, an, easy, it's an easy thing for them to do though isn't it it's just like oh it's Dembele again it's something else to have a go at him for why but, toe the easy line though there's no need because it sells papers it gets people to read websites oh Oh, the, come on! That's, that's the, the cynical you, bottom line, isn't it? Yeah, you know that's true as as well as I do. And I think, unfortunately, with Dembele, I mean, he is a world class talent. There's no getting away from that. When he is on his game, as he was for periods of that game against Sevilla, he is absolutely deserving of a place in that front three. But there's always the other side to it. You know what he does away from the pitch. He's still sta- uh, so we're led to believe he's still staying up until all hours playing computer games, which you know people of his age do do. But they're not all professional footballers at Barcelona. He's got to learn very very quickly to have a much more professional outlook. And I think if he doesn't, and there are sort of these little flare ups as you call them, January transfer window is not too far away. There's potential that he is pushed out the door. I think. Would that make life a little easier at Barcelona as well? Because there wouldn't be that fourth player who's fighting to get in the side. You probably know that it was going to be Messi, Suarez and Griezmann whenever possible. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is for me is that Griezmann's not being played in his correct position. So Dembele's a much more natural fit, as we saw last night. 
So I think if Griezmann's played in his proper role, then we'll see the player that did so well at Atletico Madrid. At the moment, he's underperforming. But as did Felipe Coutinho when he was put there, he that wasn't his natural position either. So I think there needs to be, you know, just a review, I suppose, from Valverde of where he's going to play these players. And just if, if he gets them, another one's Frankie de Jong. When he's played in his right place in midfield, he's a much better player. You know, mm. that's what... It, that sort of thing baffles me. You know, if you're going to spend over a hundred million pounds on a player, and then not give them the the tools to do the job, play them where they're supposed to play, where they where you get the best out of them, what is the point in buying them? I completely agree with you in that, and uh, that. But that's always the trouble with the rigidity of perhaps not being able to feel like you can move Lionel Messi out to other positions that he can play exceptionally well, and bring in players that can play down the middle of the park. I mean. It's one of the things that Zlatan Ibrahimovic was kind of frustrated about is that Messi always wanted to come inside and be the, the key influencer in the middle of the pitch when actually supporting Ibrahimovic was probably slightly better. And he's spoken about that on many an occasion, uh, to be honest. Uh, what about the Champions League performance, though, quickly? Just two a uh, couple of lines on that. Because against Inter, I thought they were played off the park. It was a very good win in the end against Sevilla and probably a much-needed one after an awful performance at times in uh, in the camp now in the Champions League against an Inter side that was just looked so good on the counter-attack. And on another night, Lataro Martinez probably has two or three and that game's already put to bed. There's no chance for a comeback. And Barcelona's still got a win out of it as well. And I think both you and I said, undeservingly so. Yeah, 100%. I mean, let's be completely honest. They were played off the park. Um, any neutral watching that would have been scratching their head at how Barcelona even got a point out of it, let alone three. Um, they were exposed at the the biggest problem for me is is the defense is you know you've got the likes of Messi and uh, Suarez up front but Barcelona are always going to score goals but if you can't stop them uh, it was only I think the second clean sheet last night of the season maybe the third that's for Barcelona that's not good enough and I think you're going to get other teams that are going to be a bit quicker up front I think that's perhaps the only the only thing that the Inter can perhaps look at and think as the game went on, they weren't as on the front foot as much as they were when the game began. And it just gave Barca that little glimpse of being able to get back in the game. And then obviously once they got the first, I think they were always going to get the second. But for the first, I guess, hour or so, I mean, they weren't even in it. And it would have, as a Barcelona fan, you couldn't have come out of that game and said Inter didn't deserve it because they absolutely did. I was amazed by the quality of Inter, to be honest, because they're so hit and miss in uh, in Serie A at times with the with the quality of their performances and of course missing Romelu Lukaku as well which could have made a big difference. Uh, what about uh, Real Madrid awful in the Champions League? Thibaut Courtois substituted last week at half time after they were 2-0 down against Club Bruges or Club Brugge depending on how you want to call it and let's not get into the uh, <laughs> name discussion on that one. Um, able to salvage a 2-2 draw out of it and really poor start to the Champions League campaign when you consider uh, they, they should probably be knocking a side like the Belgians away fairly easily then Courtois dropped for this weekend Alphonse Ariola, the man brought in uh, from Paris Saint-Germain in the swap with Kayla Navas I, I really like Ariola as a keeper I feel really sorry for him that he had to that he was waiting all that time to get in the in the first team for Paris Saint-Germain and then they brought in Buffon and then he gets moved around and brought into Real Madrid instead and he's a backup to Courtois and now he's got another chance to show that he's actually a very good young keeper but we also had a return of the 
Real Madrid 2015 greats. It was like playing a retro game of FIFA or something because Gareth Bale assisted Benzema for the first goal. Yeah, let's take Hazard's one out of the equation just for the moment, but it's a fantastic lob and finish from the Belgian for his first La Liga goal of the campaign and in a Los Blancos shirt. Uh, Luka Modric with a wonderful strike and Hammers wrapping up the scoring on 90 minutes. I mean, Real Madrid giving us that throwback feeling with the 4-2 win over Granada. Yeah, they were absolutely... Until the first Granada goal, just I think it was 69 minutes penalty... Real Madrid were absolutely fantastic. 3-0 up by then, absolutely cruising. And like you say, I mean, it was just like watching them from two or three seasons ago. The, the quality of their football was brilliant. They were sharp. They were direct. There was no messing about. It really was a, a really high-quality performance. But then in the space of eight or nine minutes, Granada were back in the game and perhaps could have got an equaliser, which, you know, 3-0 up at the Bernabeu, you'd never expect that to happen. Yeah, Granada have shown this season that... that they're much better than people have given them credit for. But as I say, when, you, when you're when 3-0 down away at Real Madrid, you don't expect to then get two goals and possibly even a third to get an unlikely draw. And again, like Barcelona, I think Real Madrid have, have got to look at their defence. They will score goals. They've got 16 in the league. Barcelona have got 20. But they're conceding far too many. And over the course of a season that's going to come back and bite them. It's just not fashionable, though, to, to sort out defences, as we see with a lot of top sides. And and also, a lot of these defenders are still getting plaudits from, you know, FIFA and the team of the year and things like that. I mean, was Marcelo really one of the best full-backs in, the, in world football last year? If he's better than, than Robertson at Liverpool, then clearly there's something wrong. Yeah. But but while those plaudits are being handed out, it's very hard then to, to drop players like that because they're being told they're the best in the world and a manager then is going to have to deal with fans who say, well, he's the best in the world, so why are you dropping him? Makes life very difficult indeed, these sorts of awards, particularly when players are playing poorly. And I'm not saying anything is rigged in any way, shape or form, but it just... Are you not? Are you sure? I am 100% sure. I'm just saying there is perhaps a mentality bias to some of the bigger names in world football. No, I'd agree with that. And I think as well, if you look at the table, well, I'm looking at it now, obviously Real Madrid are still unbeaten. They're top of the table and they will be for the next couple of weeks, potentially top going into El Clasico. So all the while they're there or thereabouts, it's masking any sort of small deficiencies that they have I think it's if they start to drop behind as they have done the last couple of seasons that's when the criticism is going to come both to Zidane and the players themselves but if they can keep up their current run then maybe he gets away with it maybe it's a reversal of when he was at the club before they do well domestically but not so good in Europe very possible indeed we have an international break coming up Jace I've been running through betvictor.com to try and find the best odds on Spain's international games coming up and of course if you want the best odds get on to betvictor.com at betvictor on Twitter you must be 18 or, or over to gamble please gamble responsibly for more information on that visit begamblerware.org but I'm struggling to find anything that's worth taking a punt at only because Spain are such heavy favourites and I cannot see Norway or Sweden really uh, turning them over in any way, shape or form in the UEFA Euro 2020 qualifiers. I'm afraid I don't have any odds to really give you at this point. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd agree anyway. I think it's two games. They're not going to be easy games. No games are easy, but they're heavy favourites for a reason and they've got a good squad. I think um, Morata's going to be disappointed that he didn't make it this time, but it obviously gives him something 
to build for in the future. I'm delighted that Santi Cazorla's back in, in midfield and I hope he does get to play at least one of those games. But as you look around the rest of the squad, I mean, Regulon is in. There's a, there's a few names in there that I'm really pleased to see in there. Rodri, Man City was a nailed on one, I think, in midfield. Carver Howe, he's not been doing too great, but yeah, let's see. I mean, I, th- I think they've got far too much for either of those teams and it will be a big, big surprise if they were to come out of either of those games without two wins. Well, great news for Santi Cazorla and Villarreal in general. So having four players called up for the Spanish national team with Gerard Moreno, Santi Cazorla, Pau Torres and Raul Albiol, all uh, from the yellow submarine, finding themselves in the rojo of the national team. Uh, the only, I'll tell you what, I'll give you this one. Half-time, Norway to be leading, Spain to come back and win in the second half. 33-1 to 1 on betvictor.com. Odds are subject to change. Uh, as I say, visit BeGambleAware.org for more information on how to gamble aware. But Jace, that's the only one I can think of. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Spain are a little slow starting at some point and Norway get, in a, get a first half lead. That's about yeah. it. I'm keeping my money in my pocket for that one. Thank you. Well, you can do that and we'll uh, we'll sort you out with a, an accumulator, shall we say, for uh, when the La Liga action returns. We'll be back next week to have a look at what happened between Spain and Norway and Spain and Sweden. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's get out of here. Uh, big thanks, Jace, uh, for joining us on the show, mate. Really appreciate it. Thank you, as always, for having me. Speak to you next week. Uh, big thanks to everybody who's listening. Get on to @betvictor on Twitter. Get on to at Jason Pettigrove on Twitter and get on to O underscore J underscore Wilson on Twitter as well to follow Bet Victor, Jason and myself. We'll be back in seven days' time. Take care. Enjoy the football.